without further ado, I'd uh, like to introduce a young man who yesterday took our notions of reality and turned them inside out. Dr. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Perhaps you can explain yourself. Welcome to Connected, the preeminent Stereo MCs podcast. Yeah. Oops, I got my (laughs) podcast mixed up. That's embarrassing. Great song, though. (laughs) So before we get started, uh, I did start off with a joke, but I want to provide a disclaimer for this episode. It's been a day. We are recording today, Wednesday, January 6th at about 8.30. The events of the Capitol, I think, are kind of past. For now. Bunch of people stormed the U.S. Capitol. Yeah, they tried to do a coup. They got inside mm-hmm. and uh, and so on. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Redneck rebellion. But should something escalate further, we weren't aware of that at the time of the episode's release. So if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday and something real crazy happened, we apologize because we weren't aware at the time. Now, I will bring up the anecdote about when September 11th happened, um, some of the larger radio broadcasters had pre-recorded programming and they weren't aware they were aware of september 11th but they didn't interrupt their programming so it was like here's another hit from culture club so this is the pool scene podcast happy new year everybody hope you enjoyed the holidays i am kevin along with the original hong kong cavalier jim that's right i am the honorary first member of the blue blazers everybody we are also lucky today to be joined by now there's always this qualifier when you introduce a stand-up comedian that is you have to say the very funny stand-up comedian Matt Lillard. No, you don't. Not in this case. <laughs> the chief. The chief. The chief Matt Lillard. Or as he was called once, Lyler, because they don't know how to pronounce his fucking last so name. So how, how are you, Matt? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. What is the light at the end of the tunnel for stand-up? <laughs> like, when, when's the last time you've, when's the last time you're on stage? Oh, my God. Well, actually, it was quite a, a time before COVID anyway. So oh, really? I can't say it's like I, I was lighting the world on fire anyway before so yeah i don't know people are still out there doing it there's there's stages to get on stages to be had if you're willing to go do it now i've seen some uh some zoom stand up which no thanks yeah it's 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 interesting (laughs) people are doing it (laughs) you know without you almost want that laugh track and with the the zoom stand up you don't get that so you kind of don't know when you're supposed to laugh so your jokes truly do have to be funny yeah, it's kind of like when Jim did stand up and there's was no crowd reaction. I would get that all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it sounded like every time. Pretty much. No, it never did. Jim's legacy with stand up is, as we talked about right before we went on air, Jim would perform and then that venue would never do stand up <laughs> ever again. That, that's happened on two occasions. It has. I would, I do have to say, not to get to derail too much, but watching Jim do stand up was always immensely entertaining the the greatest joke ever told (laughs) happened and i delivered it and now you can uh you can renew the joke and go back on stage because the other avatar movies are coming yeah but i think the doctors went off the air a long long time ago (laughs) gotta find somebody else to put in place there exactly a new avatar for the avatar that's right okay as you've seen via our social media on facebook instagram this week we are talking about the adventures of buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension from here on out, I will just refer to it as Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. Pretty long title. It's a 1984 science fiction film written and directed by W.D. Richter. 
See you at the party, Richter. That's why. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's why. My favorite line in a movie. It has a great cast, which we will get into momentarily. Ridiculously great cast. Now, I've told the story on here before that I thought I owned this VHS because I have the slipcover. And Matt, you had mentioned that you grew up with a VHS copy of this. All right. Among like just a handful of movies. So I've seen this movie. Do you remember what the other ones were? Oh, yeah, of course. I've uh, This and probably the Blues Brothers are the two movies I've probably seen the most in my entire life. Because you own, your parents own both? <laughs> my parents just own them, and I think I just watched them until they wouldn't play anymore. I didn't get a, a VCR until I was in, like, high school because my parents were just always behind. I remember we had a record player, and I remember listening to Thriller and the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack as, like, a eight-year-old boy. I was... Right. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating, and you have kids, too, and and, like when the media is so limited and you just watch the same thing over and over again and how it just sort of like gets into your brain and leaves like an indelible mark. I think that's kind of the way it is. And now the kids just have like anything at any moment that they can watch. It's pretty different. My kids have an iPad and they watch these little four-year-olds on YouTube who make $39 million a year by doing YouTube content. Which is more than the budget of this movie. (laughs) Way beyond. As I was saying, I have VHS copy. It's got the Buckaroo Bonsai cover. It's got the Buckaroo Bonsai tape. I want to watch it a couple uh, months ago. I have like a man cave with a, you know, setup. Put it in my VCR. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember this. And it's a pretty wild movie, but I don't remember this. Somebody taped over my Buckaroo Bonsai <laughs> with soap operas. <laughs> so, Could have been worse. Of all the movies to tape over, you have to tape over this one. It couldn't have been, like I said, Twister or something common. Falcon's Crest. Yeah. Tape over your Falcon's Crest. Fucking Jane Weinman. So originally, the character was to be named Buckaroo Bandy. Screenwriter Mac Rauch intended Buckaroo Bandy to be a 70s style kung fu action movie. After a name change, the original screenplay was titled Find the Jet Car, said the president, a Buckaroo Bonsai thriller. Perfect. Hmm. Which may be longer than the title it ended up with. Another screenplay was titled The Strange Case of Mr. Cigars, which involved a giant robot and a box of Hitler cigars. Okay. What? So these make, guys do not care. <laughs> not no, at all. They don't care. When director W.D. Richter started a production company, he decided his first movie would be Buckaroo Bonsai. At that time, titled Lepers from Saturn. <laughs> Wait, lepers or leopards? Lepers. Lepers. Great. Yeah. A year and a half later, another script was done, and the lepers became lizards, and then lizards became electroids. From, you know, the famous... We can all see how you, they went to the leap there. Planet 10. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. When the, when the movie was finally made, there wasn't a way to tell anyone what it was about. It took an hour to try and explain, which should be interesting for me when we get to the plot. The film was promoted at Star Trek conventions when free Hell yeah. bonsai headbands were given away. The original headbands are now very collectible. Well, Jim, since no one could explain the plot and the primary marketing was at a Star Wars convention or a Star Trek convention. Yeah, get it right, man. Come on. Tell us how the movie performed against its budget and how we were living in 1984. See, I used to go to Star Trek conventions, but it was way after this. But I would love to have a Buckaroo Banzai headband. Hopefully we get that along with the McDonald's pizza box that will one day grace our fine studio. Matt, have you ever had McDonald's pizza? No. Yeah, I've heard you guys talk about it before. No. I would love to. Have, we got. We're gonna get that damn box, damn it! So help us God. However, Buckaroo Banzai came out on August fifteenth, nineteen eighty four, to an amazingly huge budget of only seventeen million dollars, and surprisingly, it only made six million dollars overall in the box office. What a damn shame! Pretty brutal. 
Now, there were some amazing things that happened around this time in 1984. First of all, in the world of sports and the 1984 Los Angeles Olympic Games, Mary Lou Retton scores a 10 for the final vault to win the individual all-around competition and become the first American woman to win an Olympic gymnastic medal. Not just a gold medal. Mary Lou was number one. And since then, it's been like nothing but U.S. women. Oh, we've that. been kicking ass and taking names since the... Come on, uh, name them all. Carrie Strug. Dominic Mochianu. Uh, Shannon Miller. That girl that... What, oh, shit. What was her name? Ellen Barkin. <laughs> in the world of music and movies, which we cover in this podcast, Princess Purple Rain, the album goes number one and stays there for an amazing 24 long weeks. Yep. And that movie, I can't recommend enough because Purple Rain oh, is so a fantastic. movie like no other. During a radio voice test... President Reagan jokes he, quote, signed legislation that would outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. Reagan also announced they were going to start a teacher in space project, which became the Challenger. Uh And that was Krista McAuliffe. And we have talked about her in previous podcasts. So this is not the plot to the movie. This is not the plot to the movie. It could be. Sorry, this is we're in a different part now. Because it would make sense if Reagan was in this movie, but they decided to use some other guy that apparently was in traction that they never explained why. But my favorite Reagan was the Land of Confusion puppet Reagan. My favorite Reagan was in The Exorcist. However, at this time, we would, uh, Find out what happened with Alan Jackson. But 1984, Alan was just chilling. He wasn't doing anything. So we're going to do something different. It is 2021. And this is a total surprise to me. I have no idea what you're going to do. Total surprise. These were the other highlights that happened in 1984. Significant events. Significant events. 1984. 1984. We can all remember the infamous Apple computers, George Orwell, 1984, Macintosh arrival commercial. On January 24th, Apple computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. We all remember. Do you know where you were when that commercial hit? Matt Lillard. I was four. I was one. I was three. I only had a Commodore. Which was better than Apple at the and time. there's a Buckaroo Bonsai game for the Commodore. That's so, right. Full See, circle. Full circle. Mm-hmm. Loops around right here on the PSP. Also, another great commercial slogan hit the airwaves in 1984. Where's the beef? It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? The Wendy's woman. I can't remember her name. That's good enough. Wendy's woman. Yeah, Wendy's woman. As we have previously mentioned on this podcast, our second inductee into the Pool Scene Podcast Honorary Lifeguard Hall of Fame, one Mr. Alex Trebek, had his very first episode of Jeopardy. Do you guys remember what his first answer was? The Wendy's woman. (laughs) Dave Thomas. Who is Dave Thomas? His first answer was... Our very first answer is these rodents first got to America by stowing away on ships. Who wants to take it? Matt, Kevin? What is possum? Not a possum, Kevin. What are Wookiees? Wrong. You were very close. It is <laughs> what are rats? Oh. And that was very... Uh, that like, so if you... I mean, I know you're a, a big yeah. game show guy and you watch a lot of these old game shows yes. on uh, YouTube and stuff. And Pluto TV. How rough was it 
for Jeopardy for the people to get adjusted to phrasing the answer in a question. Oh, they messed up all the because time. Because they still mess it up, you know, on the recent ep- episodes of Jeopardy. So I can't imagine, like, the first episode's, like, rats. That first season, you always hear, can you please phrase that in the form of a question? What And, and they'd fucking up be like, what is rats? Well, also, all right, whatever. What, what, why did a producer have that thought to be like, we'll give them the answers. <laughs> we'll give them the answers. <laughs> and they got to give us the questions. <sighs> I got a better idea. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but those were the highlights and events that happened in August of 1984. All right, here goes nothing as I try to explain the plot. <laughs> Kick back on this one, everybody. Please cut me off if you think I'm wrong or if I don't have this correct because... You could say the most outlandish shit. I think me and Lillard will just say, yep, that's you're pretty much sure. accurate. It's, uh, for those who haven't seen the movie, a very convoluted script. I think that's an understatement. Buckaroo Banzai is a Japanese-American son of two scientists. His first love is neuroscience, and he becomes a brilliant neurosurgeon. Then he becomes a particle physicist who sometimes saves the world with the Blue Blaze Irregulars, which I don't know what those are. They buy Blue Blazers from Montgomery Wards. And he also performs with his rock band made of all scientists, the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Best band name ever. We learn most of this through a scroll or just like a title card at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, none of this is even part of the movie. No, there's not. So (laughs) up to this point, none of this is in the movie. It's a title card. So at the beginning of the movie, Buckaroo and his mentor, Dr. Hakita, are testing a jet car that can travel at the speed of sound aided by the top secret oscillation overthruster. Back in 1937, Professor Hakita here and Dr. Emilio Lazardo figured that if solid matter were mostly just empty space, a person should be able to discover a way to travel inside things. We at the Banzai Institute have at last found that way. We have created a device called an oscillation overthruster. Which allows them to travel through matter. Mm -hmm. However, this isn't the first test of the oscillation overthruster. In 1938, Dr. Hikita assisted Dr. Emilio Lazardo in a botched attempt, which left the former stuck in a wall and then placed in a home for the criminally insane. Buckaroo's attempt is successful and he returns with an alien organism. That looked like a little Debbie's pecan round. Okay, that's very specific, but Research. I, I'm Look with it up. You. I got gotcha. you. just thought it was like a really big testicle. It's okay. <laughs> After hearing of the successful attempt by Buckaroo, Lazardo breaks out of the institution. Good so far? Yeah. So far, yeah. Okay. We're, we're like three minutes in. Yes, we're <laughs> three movie, minutes into the movie. You, you, like in real time, it's taken you three minutes to get to the point yes. where it's like three minutes into the movie. Okay. So as it turns out, when Lazardo attempted using the oscillation overthruster years ago, he was stuck in the eighth dimension. And his mind was taken over by Lord John Warfin. Warfin is a red Lectroid banished to the eighth dimension for his role in an attack on the black Lectroids on planet 10. (laughs) Before being locked up, (laughs) Jim's losing it. uh, Warfin brought several red Lectroids to Earth. Yeah, why not? Where they've been hiding in disguise, all named John, and developing technology for an eventual rescue of their people from the eighth dimension and takeover of planet 10. The last part of the plan is the oscillation overthruster. Now, most of this I had to like research. This isn't something. No, it's not really explained. No, never. Buckaroo experiences an electric shock that allows him to see electroids as they really are. So sort of like they live sunglasses a few years before they live. 
A black Electroid visits Buckaroo, telling him that if he is unable to stop Lizardo slash Warfin from using the Overthruster, they will start World War III. With the fate of the world in his hands, Buckaroo sets out with his rock band made of scientists, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, as well as Penny Pretty, to battle the Electroids and save the universe. I won't go into any further detail here, but Buckaroo and his gang save the day with a bit of a shocking ending. Ooh, I see what you did there. <laughs> so, unless you guys have anything else to mention, let's get into the characters. Let's do it. Peter Weller as Buckaroo, Dr. Buckaroo Bonsai. You get that doctor right part. Now. So, John, are you Lithgow or Lithgow? I've always been Lithgow. Lithgow. I think, I think that's think it is correct. Lithgow. Yeah. Is it? John Lithgow so. as Dr. Emilio Lazardo, Lord John Warfin, coming off, what, two Oscar nominations. Right. And we have Ellen Barkin as Penny Pretty. And. Also, Anne Bonsai. That's a whole... Yeah, Anne Bonsai. It's a whole thing we'll get into. Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Sidney Zweibel, or New Jersey. Christopher Lloyd as John Big Boote. That's right. You say it right. It's not Big Booty. Big, Big Booty. Booty. Who else do we want to mention? Lewis Smith as Perfect Tommy. We have... Uh, Reno. Yakov Smirnoff's in there. <laughs> Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown as Rawhide. Yeah. Uh, so... You, you, got, you got some other weirdos. You got Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya. You yeah. got Chiavelli. Is that what it is? Yeah. Vincent Chiavelli. Cheap man. Stephen Wright. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Get off my train. And then <laughs> we might not mention it again because the role is so small and so weird. But the president of the United States, Ronald Lacey, was also in Raiders of the Lost Ark as the Nazi burning his hand. Also, his face melts. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just playing like yeah, normal like a- American president in traction in a hospital bed. <laughs> yeah. Unexplained. They were just For like, no reason. They're like, we can't just have him sit there. He no. can't just sit there. <laughs> no. Gotta put him in an upside down bed with a crotch cut He's gotta be facing adversity on a physical level. <laughs> All right. So which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so many done let's move on yeah so many no i i think as we're watching the movie too it's it almost seems like buckaroo is like secondary to all of the other players well peter weller showed up and gave nothing (laughs) he He almost has no expression his parents are dead his girlfriend wife is dead his best pal gets killed no emotion. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that's what inspired his performance because he was just like reading the script and he was like, well, first off, I don't understand anything I'm reading. And second off, wait a minute. So my wife's dead. My parents are dead. I have nothing. He's also in a band in which he can't sing for Except shit. Except I'm the most famous person in the world yeah. for being, I don't know what. <laughs> but his performance, Jim, play uh, play a clip, just something of his, just to, to get a, a gist of his performance. What do you want from me, buckaroo? As near as I can figure, you had an identical twin sister, and I married her. But that's over now, and she's gone, and that's about all there is really to say about that. Yeah, so you hear it. I I will go next. I'll say, for me, it's John Lithgow as Emilio Mm -hmm. Lazardo. I want to make a call to Mr. John Big Booty at a Yoyodyne Proportions Systems over in Grover's Mill. And you tell him that it's John Warfin calling. That's W-H-O-R-F-I-N. You got that, honey? John, J-O-H-N. He, he goes head first into this thing. Like he, he has, he's like, Balls the ball. I'll do whatever. I don't, I don't give a shit. I'm crazy. I'll do like, he does this crazy accent. Who you actually brought up that goes back to one of the movies we covered, our season one deep end. 
He has the accent of Janos from Ghostbusters 2. You brought this up and it's perfect. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think it's more Italian, but it's like a Eastern European, yeah, Eastern European thing that he's doing. But he he goes for it. He's like, I yeah, I'm, I have no reservations at all. Actually, Matt, you have a, a story about John Lithgow oh, yeah. in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's part of the, one of the reasons you brought me on this show because i talk i've probably said this story way well too we've times. always talked about how much we've always loved we've known each other for over a decade right and we've always talked about how much we love this movie i think this is what we initially bonded on with so this movie. probably i get beers deep and then i start talking about this story where <laughs> I, I think i was a senior in high school and my girlfriend at the time and i flew out to california and saw a taping of third rock from the sun that's not why we flew out there, but you know, it was nice. That would be a better story. <laughs> if you're like, then we came back. We, my girlfriend and I, our thing was third rock from the sun. Just John. Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, along, I mean, I could go on and on. It, it was a really cool experience, but, and also they, the way they do these tapings is you have uh, sort of a Q and a at the end of it. And, um, uh, people are asking Lithgow all these sort of, you know, lame questions. It's like, Oh, Dirty dance. Well, not dirty dancing. Was it dirty dancing? What was it? Uh, Footloose. 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 Jesus yeah. Christ, my bad. And, you know, you know, Harry and the Hendersons and how yeah. was that and everything. And then it, it was getting more towards the end and it was kind of winding down. And I'm like, I, I just have to ask him. And so I stood up and I was nervous and I said, would you do the sequel to Fuck Rubanza? And he got completely serious, like deathly serious. And he said, of course I would. So he kind of like <laughs> embodied the voice for a second too. And I don't know how often he gets that, but I'm sure it, it happens periodically, but I don't know. Yeah. It was just, it was a good experience. I got a script. The whole thing was cool, but oh, that's awesome. yeah, I don't know. I was very nervous just to say like, is he going to like laugh me off the stage or what? It would have been better if he been like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. Security. But he was really into it. And then, you know, at the time, this is almost like pre, well, it wasn't pre-internet, but it was almost pre-internet so you have no idea like context oh, yeah. of, like how he would actually react to this but yeah i don't know it's it would have been cool experience. if he was like i have no recollection of that <laughs> i don't even I don't know completely what about. years of therapy i was in terms of endearment <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about the monkey boy <laughs> make it out of my face monkey boy uh <laughs> that's a, a bizarre concept to me that they did q a after this thing because You've got to think he's probably getting 95% of the questions are the same every single time. Yeah, every time they do a taping. I mean, did they tape multiple episodes or just one a day? Or? The only one I was at was just one. Yeah. So right. every day they have this Q&A and they're like, hey, what's Harry, <laughs> what, what's Harry like in real life? And Harry That's basically what he's like. Oh, Jesus Christ. I yeah. got to do this again. Listen, guys, it wasn't a fucking Sasquatch. It wasn't real. It was a guy in it. <laughs> His name was Ruben. Great guy. Hope to work with him again. All right, Jim. Lithgow's going off a great. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no. no, you're good. Go, but go, you go. mentioned like terms of endearment and he was in GARP before. The, like this, I think like a string of three or four movies. He was Oscar nominated. Yeah. And then he gets the script to Buckaroo Banzai where he's a scientist who gets sucked into a wall and then gets taken over by an alien. And then he it's just honestly chews uh, scenery for two hours. I would love to have I known imagine his reaction is, when he read this. There's an agent. How, I mean, I'm nervous to say, what did you think of Buckaroo Banzai 20 years later? Oh. And then like, I, can you imagine his agent being like, Hey, I know you almost just won two Oscars, but so, why don't you read this script yeah. that makes no goddamn this sense. This movie's an hour, 35 minutes. So Seems so much longer. The script was, <laughs> script, the script was probably 110, 120 pages. Yeah. And you got to think all the iterations that the script went through the copy that he got may not have even been the final one. I can't imagine any of like Christopher Lloyd or 
Peter Weller, any of these people reading this script and been like, I need to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a huge budget, so it's not like they were just getting a fat payday. No, they couldn't have been. So it's it's really bizarre that that they were like, I I, I need to be in this movie. Lithgow also was in a very underrated movie. I don't think most people saw. I remember renting this at first row video as a kid. He was in a movie, I want to say right after this, called The Manhattan Project, uh-huh. in, in which he helped a kid build a an atomic bomb at a science fair, mm-hmm. which is, you I, go from Oscar, Red Electroid, <laughs> nuclear bomb maker. It's just, I, now I tell you what, yeah. the, the level or the quality of celebrity or famous person I would be is like, if I ever got famous for like, obviously it's not going to happen. I'm a 37 year old man. But like, I think about like these 21, 22 year olds who release an album. I would release two albums a year until no one wanted to buy my mm-hmm. stuff. If I were an actor, I would film everything that I could like. I don't care. I'll read the script. Like that might make me shitty, but like I'll read the script. I'm doing it. Like yeah. if they're paying me $10 million. I'm in. I don't care. His filmography too was really interesting to go through. And, um, I was looking at his Wikipedia did not have the movie ricochet on it. Cause I was thinking of like other bonkers ass Lithgow roles. Yeah. And this is with Denzel. Have you ever seen this movie? Where I've he's heard of the Rick villain. Day. Oh my God. It is like at this level because sometimes Didn't he could be a, a little years ago. No, this was oh, maybe geez, early nineties or okay. something like that. But he is just the villain and it is almost at the same level of insanity. That's so he I can said. like turn it up to like 12 like and that's him, what he's doing in that movie. Him, the fourth season of Dexter when he played the Trinity killer was absolutely, they should have ended Dexter right after that season because it didn't get any better. Right. And Lithgow was phenomenal. And why isn't he in more stuff now? Exactly. I have no idea because he's, he destroys it. He's amazing. But yeah. thinking about somebody with an even... I like him as the villain in Cliffhanger. Which right. No, it's a hard one, too. That. Right. Yeah. So, Jim, did you have a character that you thought stole, other than us? I, I know you like Perfect Tom. I am a, bit. a huge fan of Perfect Tom. Let her out. Yeah, let her out. I'll be responsible. Well, she's a killer. No, she's not. And give her your coat. Why me? Because you're perfect. You have a point there. We notice this at the end credit. Everybody shows up and walks together scene. He seems to just flip his costume from scene to scene almost. But perfect Tommy. I remember being a kid watching this and be like, man, when I grow up. I'm going to fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) The dude is fucking BA. And he wears the coolest shit. I wore silk once, so I get it. And my I looked like a paint by numbers because I wore it to a school dance and I sweat right through it. So I get the difficulty of pulling off a silk outfit. All jokes aside, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum in this movie had to have been one of his first movies by far, but oh my God, was he actually second because he's in my favorite movie of all time, which is The Big Chill. He's just so Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) I guess that's the best way to describe Jeff Goldblum in this movie as New Jersey. He's just every movie. I Like I said, this while we were watching it. It just seems like Jeff Goldblum in real life. He can't turn off Jeff Goldblum because right. he just has that affect. Uh, you know, I thought we were going to rehearse or something. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of all you guys. I love the comic books and the records. I know you. You're Pecos. Perfect Tom. Perfect Tommy. I'm sorry. You're, you're Pecos. Pecos in Tibet. Name's Reno. Reno. It's an honor. Where do you Real. hail from, Doc? Uh, New Jersey. Fort Lee. Yeah, where are your spurs at? <laughs> What's he making fun of me? He has that weird way he walks. He has that communication linguistic about him. There's, that's a, just there's a handful of them, though. There's like, uh, I use Christopher Walken as an example. Like he's, 
Yeah, he's got the voice that's just... And we've talked about Kevin Costner a lot on this. Like, he never plays anything differently. He's Kevin Costner in everything. Now, he doesn't have the mannerisms that Goldblum or Christopher Walken have. Only thing he ever did differently that I'm just shooting off the top of my head is when he became Brundlefly in The Fly, he was less Goldblumy because basically he had lost the ability to actually talk (laughs) or walk properly. But still another scientist, though. Yeah, he's a scientist in everything. But Jeff Jeff Goldblum had those weird roles, too. Like, he was in Nine Months with Hugh Grant. Mm -hmm. He was the weird artistic guy who's just odd and overly sexual but Goldblum is just phenomenal on so many levels I loved him in this movie because in a way kind of the uh almost the indirect savior of Buckaroo Bonsai and the Hong Kong Cavaliers so well, not only that but if you were going to rank Hong Kong Cavaliers he's probably the most entertaining he has some great line reads in this movie where the script just is great there's mm-hmm. a lot of great lines in it i know kevin you just went through the script and it doesn't make a lick of sense <laughs> but there's actually some amazing lines in it they they give him some really good lines yeah and, and he just delivers them in that gold bloomy sort of way where well, you're like this guy is great yeah. we're, we're about to get the best scenes that's the next thing we're going to talk about but rather than like best scenes there are so many moments in this movie rather than like collectively like this is the you know the best thing that happened there are so many just like subtle Mm -hmm. lines and funny little things even throwaways yeah just little throwaways that are so funny and well written that you have to pay attention for i mean they're not things you probably pick up on the first time you watch this but after you've watched it eight or ten times or whatever you'll notice like all these like little lines you're anticipating and if you rate the hong kong cavaliers buckaroo bonsai is probably in last place out of every single one of them to be quite honest with you not that entertaining (laughs) not at all well he proved that he can't sing and that's my first scene i'm picking the oddest band performance Uh, i thought you were gonna talk about when he gets almost gets dime bag (laughs) daryl because there's a a girl in the crowd (laughs) who Uh, decides to kill herself at a concert. Yeah. It's at this weird loft. That's the only way I can describe it as this band performance. But there's a, there's a New Jersey concert promoter venue guy. Yes. Okay. It was just like, you all got to come out and I'm not doing the accent. right. (laughs) But yeah, definitely. You sound like Watto from Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you no, no. Hey, you're not to come out and play. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that scene alone that you know they already have two saxophonists up on stage as they walk on stage and there's no lyrics to the song they're starting to play to and they never kick in my, and perfect my, Tommy's my shredding. My big gripe with this scene is that we're maybe we don't find out later because Buckaroo's on speed dial with the president. Yeah. But Buckaroo is so world famous but yet this concert has like 80 people. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah maybe. It's just like yeah. uh, it's in like a I don't, how, what would you, it looks like a parking garage slash loft. There's some type. tables, some people standing, not to go too behind the scenes, but I feel like a lot of this movie was all filmed in one warehouse yeah. and yeah. this might just be in a room in this warehouse that they put some neon lights in or something and threw a stage up. That's how they saved money. But they kind of, in a way, unless you're really looking, it's passable, I guess, Yeah. yeah. but it's still like, there's not that many people there. But the thing that I find quite amazing during this I guess you can call it performance. The music's playing. It's loud. He somehow hears her crying. Just stops the show. Mm-hmm. First song up. Kills the show to find out why she's crying. And then all of a sudden decides to just break in to a little piano song. I'm going to play a little bit for you right now. Dreams. 
swear. Sorry, I love you, Peter Weller. Can't hold a tune for shit. It's, and there's a reason why he probably it's doesn't. It's real sing weird more. because he, you know, he hears a sad girl in the crowd who's crying. Rather than like try and cheer her up, he's like, "We're gonna play our most mellow, sad song." Meanwhile, he's getting heckled. She's getting heckled, and he's like, "Everybody, shh." No matter where you go, no matter where you go, there you are. It's Sorry. like, come on, yeah, I gotta step on you. <laughs> no, dude, you're good. <laughs> Dude, we've had a day. I can't remember all this stuff. <laughs> I may have seen this movie a couple of times. But, but yeah. that's definitely, and, and this is in the first half of the movie. And yeah. I have to say that I've probably seen the first half of the movie 8 million times in the second half a lot less. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just it sort of just, it goes downhill. Yeah, there's a slog where you're like, this is just There definitely is, is a point in this movie where you could literally just shut it off halfway and go, I'm good, I get it. Well, it's almost like a party and I think we almost did it too when it was on is you watch the first 15 or 20 minutes and then you're like, okay, let's have a conversation <laughs> and eventually they put some bubble wrap on their face and there's yeah. a Rastafarian jumping over a fence and you're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. And then you kind of pick back up at the end and you're like, all right, yeah, we're, we're good. Here we I go. think I got it all. And I think that's the way you're supposed to watch the movie. Well, and we're I like, how can you put the plot together? So, I don't know if you do. You just well, kind of let it wash over you. It's funny. Like we're sitting there having our conversation and talking about today's events. And out of nowhere, they're like, a fucking hologram. And I mentioned <laughs> I should have been Tupac right back into today's yeah. events and then come back into yeah. it later. Yeah. So that's a good transition for as far as the, the first part of the movie. And, and that's my first best scene is just the testing of the overthruster, the jet car. Five, five, That. It's like we said, the, the budget, it's almost like was spent, you know, primarily on this opening scene, which the way movies work is once they sell you a ticket, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, once their butts in the seat, you got their money. I'm surprised but Ford didn't give him a kickback for that amazingly looking fucking garbage <laughs> F-150. There's like no other way to describe it. So they're it. testing uh, a jet car with the overthruster, which will penetrate the speed of sound. Kevin, it's a jet truck. I'm sorry, a jet truck, and, yeah. and it'll travel through matter. Not a DeLorean. No, <laughs> no. not a DeLorean. But it has even very similar technology. It shares yep. the same universe because there's a, like a... <laughs> flux capacitor yeah, type. Flux, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No mention yeah. of 88 miles per hour or any specific speed, but... No. They travel through matter, but this, this scene's actually pretty impressive. I mean, not so much the, once they enter the map and it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I like these polygons, but yeah, it's a great yeah. opening. Yeah. The yeah. opening's like, yeah, I'm going to be into this. This is cool. And then it kind of like, once the electroids show up, you're like, yeah, Matt, did you have a best scene that you wanted to talk yeah. about? Oh man. I, I definitely like the opening. There's just little small pieces because there's, it's, a problematic script for sure. Is but one of those pieces when Buckaroo kicks Electroid in the dick? <laughs> yeah. So Electroids, we find out, actually have their genitals in the same place we all do. Yeah. So. I mean, I, there's things that I don't know if I would call them scenes, but it might just be line readings. There's a watermelon there. I'll tell you about it later. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. little things like that or like a gold bloom. Is this guy making fun of me right now? Kind of lines. And you're like, okay, <laughs> these are just hilarious things. But as a scene, I, yeah, I the know. the scenes, it's, it's. Exactly. It's character design. It's the outfits. It's the line readings. It's just all the ridiculous stuff that happens. There's not like, 
I mean, there's some action sequences, but there's nothing that's like a, you know, anything that's built to. It's just thing after thing after thing. Right. There's a lot of lines. Yeah. Not a lot of scenes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's the way you're looking at it. Right. Did you have another one, Jim? Yes, I have. When Goldblum figures out the tie-in between the arrival of these Electroids in 1938 and Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, Grover's Mill tie-in, I thought that was an amazing thing. How convoluted this script is, how far left, how far right, not talking politically, just all over the damn place it is. This one central point is, I think, the most creative thing about this movie. Uh, November 1, October uh, 30 days have September, April, June, November, when short February is done, all the rest have 31, October 31st. Halloween. Oh, um, don't you get it? Orson Welles. You mean the guy from the old wine commercials? Uh, Halloween, 1938, uh, uh, War of the Worlds, that fake radio news broadcast that got everybody scared thinking real live Martians were landing in Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Then it all just turned out to be a hoax. So? So, maybe uh, uh, it wasn't a hoax. Or, I mean, maybe it isn't a hoax. When the Proud Boys stole the Bucker <laughs> Bonsai. And that's how you identify a Proud Boy. Is they're really into Bucker Bonsai. The Eighth Dimension is where Trump is still president. And he's trying to get back there. Listen, the Electroids. <laughs> Listen, the Electroids. Very fine people. Patriots, all of them. And we're going to go back. You're good electrodes on both sides. <laughs> yeah. That's when Biden decided to run for president. <laughs> so, yeah, that's another amazing thing that I was like, of all this shit that makes no sense. It's the one thing throughout this whole movie that makes sense. And I'm happy to hell that Goldblum was the one that debunked it and figured it out. Love it. OK, well, we've got some uh, more going on later in Logic and so on. But before we do that, why don't we get everyone out of the pool? Pull check. All right. This week we are going to discuss because of the Hong Kong Cavaliers, which are, pro I don't know, maybe they're on your list. They're not on my list. They're not on my list. But we're going to talk about the best or our favorite fictional bands. There's a lot of them. TV, movies, comic, whatever. Everything. We're going to talk about fictional bands that are great so who wants to go we'll let our guests go yeah. first oh great okay well there might be some problems here and you guys can it, it might almost help me out if i had to choose or we actually have to choose do we have to rank or we're just throwing them out there we're I just mean, gonna do five each what do i win if i win if i choose the one that everybody uh little debbie pecan round autographed by <laughs> peter weller does it look like a testicle in a jar <laughs> it is very saucy and cummy ah well in that case Electro. well okay so you mentioned one earlier you mentioned the year 1984 yeah and you said purple rain yeah does this count because yeah. it's not technically prince it's like yeah you're a character right. yeah sure it's not exactly morris day even though the guy's name is morris <laughs> But yeah. without a doubt, not even the, one of the best soundtracks, but one of the best albums ever was Purple Rain. Yeah. So like almost has to go on the list somewhere. No one taped like. over my Purple Rain VHS with soap operas. Go figure. See? Hmm. Okay. That's a, that's a great choice. I revisit that movie quite a bit and I bathe myself in the Lake Minnetonka or whatever it is. <laughs> the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> I, I, I saw you uh, ride up on your motorcycle yeah. and it was fantastic. With Apollonia. I didn't fight my dad, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tim, it is a long list. It, it's a long one. My number five is from one of our favorite actors here on the podcast is Mark Wahlberg. It's from the movie Rockstar. Yeah. Steel Dragon. <laughs> when he falls off a speaker oh, stand. Stand up and shout! Yeah. Dude, and here's some little quick backstory. The actual band that sang the Steel Dragon song is actually a band called Steel Heart. They're a legit uh, rock and roll band. They lend their vocals. They lend all their band credo to Steel Dragon. But the whole premise of Rockstar is so ridiculous. And the fact that they boot out their lead singer, because basically they find out he's gay, so they kick him out. They just hear Mark Wahlberg, who dresses up like the band, hear him sing at a very loud concert, and go ahead and make him part of the band, give him a stupid name called Izzy. And then he gets into the world of rock and roll. Very Vince Neil Motley Crew esque. This is the only the only thing worth mentioning about that movie is when he falls off the speaker's tag. <laughs> yeah, he basically million dollar babies himself almost. So that's my number five, Steel Dragon from Rockstar. Yeah, but I, not the only Wahlberg fictional band. Fictional band. If he's in the wait, what is the Paul Thomas Anderson porno? Um, oh yeah, Dirk Diggler. Yeah, what's their band called? Oh. But he's recording in the studio and he's doing the song from Transformers. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if it's an actual. Oh, band, he, but well, yeah, that's right. Because it's Stan Bush. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know what if they have a name for that. When they're <laughs> I'll do some research. <laughs> do you know while my you Dirk Diggler yours? story? I've told it on the podcast before. Uh, okay. I till this day, it's still hilarious to me so my senior soccer banquet we have the boot the president of the boosters call and she's just asking some questions because they're going to put it in the program and they're going to announce it at the at the thing she was like do you have a nickname and i said no and she goes you have to you have to have a nickname something somebody calls you i said no so we talk about a couple more things and she goes is your brother there and i was like yeah why she's like i just i have a couple things to ask him i'm like okay so i let my brother talk to her i didn't know this i go to the soccer banquet and they said Kevin is a senior. He was second team, all whatever, blah, blah, blah. He likes to be called Dirk Diggler. (laughs) You hear like a handful of like the adult men just kind of like. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, that's pretty funny. There was no name. It's just him as Dirk Diggler saying Stan Bush is a touch. All right. So it's a good thing. These are our favorites and not the best because my number five is you all, everybody. Oh, lost. You all, everybody. Nice. Just the whole, that's all they have. I think they have another song on the show, but it's Drive Shaft from Lost. Uh, I totally forgot about Drive Shaft. It's just, for the time when it was released, mm-hmm. nobody was listening to that music. It's like no. one of those things, there's another band I'll mention where it's like, that music doesn't sound anything like the popular music of the time. No. So there's no way. And this is 2004. That, that band would be famous. Did you ever so. want to get a drive shaft ring? No, I did not. <laughs> I also did not want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whole, whole lot of lost. We could talk. About. I forgot you guys were complete lost heads. Yeah. But here's the thing that I'm out of my depth. Now <laughs> our buddy Matt here had his monopoly on his own apartment building. One point it, it was sure. called Liller Hall. They all watched Lost. I didn't come into Lost. I knew nothing about it until later on. And I remember our buddy Jake going, I don't know how you avoided anything about Lost and came into it later on. And now I'm completely obsessed with Lost. What an amazing TV show. Uh, It's like my favorite (laughs) of all time, but I... I love the finale. I don't care. So, Matt, what do you have next? Are we going... We're going reverse order. Yeah. I blew my load early. I I said Purple Rain. You're like a red electroid. Yes, I did. (laughs) Man, it, okay. So these are these are some tough ones. I will say, if I'm doing like five, yeah, 
Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, Sex Bob Bomb. See, I've never seen the movie. I have no idea. It's great. Uh, so Beck coordinated all the music for that movie. Right. So basically, Sex Bob Bomb are Beck's songs, right. essentially. But yeah, they're uh, they're like a great little punk outfit with young Neil and Scott. And right. Watch that movie uh, with the kids not too long. It's it's probably pretty borderline for some for, as a kids movie, but we still listen to like soundtrack. Yeah. It's really That's, good. You know, that movie is in a way sort of like Buckaroo Banzai, where when it came out, it was kind of like, I don't think it did really well financially. And right. It was kind of meh. And then now there's a huge, you know, 10 plus years later, there's a huge following of people who are really into Scott Pilgrim. And, and I'm one of them. I like it. I wish kind of that they would return to that universe, but I think they sort of probably waited too long because I don't, I don't think Michael Sarah's good. You don't want, yes. you don't want to have middle-aged Scott Pilgrim? No, <laughs> not really. He's still dating, dating, he's a, dating a high school girl. Again. Michael Sarah could be 75 years old and still look like he's 15. So Let us he's replace him longevity. with Thomas Middleditch or Jesse Eisenberg. I was going to say Eisenberg. Yeah. Jim, what's, uh, what's your next one? Okay, so my number four is we all know here on the pod that I am a big boy band fan. So my number four is the MTV fictional boy band based off the movie. Oh, it is Together. I didn't even have this on my list. Now, this is one of these MTV movies that I remember when the DVD went out of print that people would want like two, $300 for the damn thing. Luckily, I burned it and ripped it off of my VHS that I recorded. It's just, it's crazy. Like Chris Farley's brother, Kevin, is in the band. They ended up spinning off into a TV show on MTV. The first album was great. You guys might have remembered You Plus Me Equals Us Calculus. We all remember that song. They ended up recording a second album. They did a single for that. The hardest part of breaking up is getting back your stuff in parentheses. But yeah, this was, a, I think, a very underrated thing that MTV did. And we're big MTV fans here on the show. And I think I wanted to lend it some credence. So together... The Creed, ultimate fictional water, boy clear water, survival water, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Not to sound somber and bring it down, but the one kid that was on this band that was known as QT did die in real life of a disease that his character also had in the show. So it translated into real life. But yeah, together, my number four. Yeah, thanks for bringing it down. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. The number two, GE plus sign, Heather. Here you go. Uh, go a, my next one, a band that I think was based on an amalgamation of real bands, but a, a movie I like to watch on a Sunday afternoon specifically is Stillwater from Almost Famous. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And then they, it's on my list for sure. They have the powwow in the airplane. And that that's like what makes them such a, a good band is because, well, first off, the songs they wrote for them in the movie are very like authentic and they feel like real songs. But then also the problems that they have as a band you know, in that airplane scene, they think their plane's going down, so they kind of have a heart to heart as uh, band members. But uh, Stillwater, for sure, like a '70s, you know, rock band. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly who they're based on, but they're. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably like an Eagles. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few there. I, I've probably talked to two celebrities in my life, and I might as well talk about both of those instances on this podcast. Ah, yeah. Hell yeah! But I, uh, I met sort of Jason Lee. And it was at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, which is a big music festival. And he was obliterated. Oh, really? So like couldn't even stand up, like leaning <laughs> on, like, uh, like sitting down. Sorry, on a good wall. conversation. They offer to give you an e-reading or an e-meter. Are we talking about the same Jason Lee? <laughs> same Jason. Jason Lee, yeah. Okay, yeah. Scientology Jason Lee. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. 
Yeah, he gave you a, a pretzel, a chocolate covered pretzel. <laughs> what OT? What OT level are you? Are you a five? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's another movie with dreadlocks. Yeah, <laughs> Battlefield Earth. Sorry. Oh, that's yeah, that's going to be another crazy one. We're going to eventually have to talk about. Oh, please do. <laughs> All right, Matt. Why don't you go ahead and give us your next? Jeez. All right. Well, I got the top OG spot, but I'm going to talk about one here, which it's probably on your list too. Am I going to step on your toes? And no, that's no, fine. Yeah, we have overlap. The Wait. Wonders? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's on mine. I would imagine somebody's that was probably one? Jim's number one. Is it your number one? That's my overall yeah. number one. I, oh, I kind of... The O'Neaters. The O'Neaters. Because I know Jim so well, I knew that he would pick it as number one, so mm-hmm. I didn't pick it. Uh, but Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's... um. No, you're fine, dude. I Adam mean, Schlesinger. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wrote some... I mean, about the catchiest pop song imaginable yeah. i mean which was the the point it was the like an album is amazing yeah we need uh and you could have each even mentioned captain geach and the strip shack shooters that's as a right. fictional band <laughs> that's right yeah. a fictional band within a fictional band yep. well the other part too is that, is that you mentioned schlesinger too is that he wrote there's a hugh grant movie music and lyrics or lyrics yeah. and music yeah mm-hmm. music and lyrics mm-hmm. and it's, there's like a pop song at the beginning of that mm-hmm. with hugh grant and i think he wrote that one too or he at least wrote like I want to say a lot of the music for I mean, that film too, is because he was all over the place. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, Stacy's mom. A lot of you will probably be familiar if you want to go to. He wrote that song. I heard she's got it going on, Stacy's mom. <laughs> he did. Uh, he wrote the song by the Click Five called uh, "Just a Girl." That's another great one. I mean, yeah. the guy's Pounds been all over. Yeah. Great oh man. man, best cover of the Knack song "Better Days" from the great say homage to the original, the remake of the Manchurian Candidate. So that's another great movie that he actually found somewhere and wrote that. So you said the remake of the Manchurian Candidate is a good movie. Yeah, you don't like it? I don't. I don't oh, sure. I was gonna say Denzel Washington's in that. <laughs> was he in a fictional band? Denzel, the Manchurian Candidates, <laughs> the Denzels, it, <laughs> Denzels, him and Frank Sinatra. Cool. <laughs> There's a doo-wop band. That's right. right. Jim, what's your... My number number three is another beloved movie that Kevin and I talk about. I used to masturbate constantly. Constantly. It's the Lone Rangers from Airheads. I thought, and I don't want to step on your toes because I thought for a second, a movie we talk about constantly, Mm -hmm. a movie we covered on this podcast, I thought you were going to put everyone... Gets oh, from PCU. I totally yeah, forgot. Even about though they that. never actually performed, never performed a song. But man, the Lone Ranger. That movie alone. Here it is, the Lone, Lone Rangers. Rangers. Wait, you're not exactly Lone. Don't you want to be called the Three Rangers? <laughs> you guys probably think I'm a real dick cheeseburger. Let's <laughs> just quote. That's it. That's, for the rest it's, of. it's eventually a movie we're going to cover here hey, on the podcast. we're partying in here. We got all kinds of beer. <laughs> it's such a great movie, and they do the song Degenerated. Now, the this end. band is comprised lead singer Brandon Frazier, mm-hmm. tattoo of a, a gecko in the Reaper, <laughs> yep. and uh, the drummer is Pip, played by Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler the pool who's boy. a pool boy. And then Steve Buscemi it's is amazing. the metal guitarist. <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah. There's such a great movie. Everybody check it out. Now, the song that they play, Degenerated, mm-hmm. that gets played on the radio, gets pissed on, gets you know crushed by a car on hydraulics, is actually a real song. I don't remember the name of the band, but they literally just licensed a real song. I'm not going to lie. The first couple times I saw that movie, I was like, I 
I think this could be Brendan Fraser actually singing it because it kind of would sound like his voice if he was trying to well, sing. Well, I think in the prison scene, he's actually singing. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. But uh, other than that, they licensed the song from a real band. That's so good, though. Lone Rangers 9, number three. My number two is a band that saved the world. The Wild Stallions. Oh, yeah. Bill and Ted. Good call. So another one where you don't really ever hear them play. You know, they bring back the babes from mid- medieval times who round out their band. But you never hear them play. Have you I, seen the third movie? I have not. I have not seen it yet. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, so I think the plot is basically they still have not written the song that's supposed to unite the world. So it's funny because, like, hair metal is what the band is. Mm-hmm. And, like 25 years of past since <laughs> hair metal. So uh, to, to kind of bring it back to Buckaroo, um, I, I tried to watch, I tried to force both my kids to watch Buckaroo Banzai and um, my daughter just tapped out completely. She's like, no, because I forced her to watch too many movies <laughs> and, and fast. And she just kind of knows. And one of those movies, of course, uh, well, we watch Bill and Ted's. That's one of them. And, and we watch Wayne's World, which is probably, no, I don't think it's technically a band, but she's just like, I, she does not trust me when I'm telling her, like, you have to watch this movie so make her watch against Airheads. your will. Yeah, it's just like, no. Hey, there were two fictional bands in Wayne's World. There was uh, Jolly Green Giant and the Shitty Beatles. Yeah. Rick Dukeman. Yeah. yeah, in that movie, our number one nominee there. They really are shitty. <laughs> it's not just a clever name. <laughs> they suck. So, uh, Matt, what's next for you? And we're going to do honorable mentions. Yeah, I have yeah, a we'll whole mess of honorable oh mentions. God. Okay, so I think I have to say Eddie and the Cruisers. Yeah, yeah. Is this on your list? Oh, good. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. And I can I can I dare say that I don't really care about Bruce Springsteen too much. Yeah. Okay. No, you're fine with that. Is this just an open? Mention. Is this an open forum? I know we we just you just talked for like five minutes about boy bands. <laughs> um, don't mention Billy Joel around him. Though, okay. It just sets him off. I almost feel like I'd rather listen to Eddie and the Cruisers, which is what uh, Cafferty and the Brown. I don't know whatever they're Bill called. Cafferty and the Brown Beaver Band. <laughs> the Beaver Brown Band. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just enough. don't have that. I haven't reached One my middle age. Brown Beaver. I haven't reached my middle aged uh, Springsteen phase yet. So I, yeah. Give I, me some. Give me some. Now, Eddie and the Cruisers. To preface Springsteen. Now we are located in Youngstown, Ohio, That's and right. Springsteen kind of. Do you think that was like pandering when he wrote the song about Youngstown? Do you think he was genuine and like, I want to write a song about this place? Steel this, Town? He's never fucking hole, been here. Steel Town. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> let me find the most depressingly yes. overcast, sad place. Murder yeah, capital of the country. off of it. Yeah. I don't feel great about it. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Then Ryan, our buddy, well, I don't know if it's our buddy, but Ryan Ross tried to, hey, Gord. he tried to, he re-recorded the song. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know this. And when Kelly Pavlik fought for the middleweight title, Kelly Pavlik was supposed to come out to Ryan Ross's version of Youngstown, which is a more <laughs> rockin' version, and Springsteen wouldn't give permission. Huh. So yeah. it didn't happen. So but did I, he come out to Cherry Monroe then? <laughs> satellites and Ken Cooper? Or? I think he did. I think he came out. I think he actually came out to Sift. So cool. So how's Pavlik doing though? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. We don't talk about that. It's a real winner. So my number two, one of the bands that I I thought would have actually been talked about by now, but it's probably my mind just full of random pop culture bullshit. The Zack Attack yeah. from Saved by the okay, Bell. Okay, now we, we will talk. We'll talk about it collectively because that's also my number two. Okay. Now this is the one I mentioned when I said that the music does not match the popular music of the time at all because Zack Attack's music is like its own thing. No yeah. other music sounds like that. Mm-hmm. It's like so. And the best part 
is the voices of the band sound oh. so far off it's from awful. the character friends voice. forever did we ever have a chance i love absolutely loved anytime on saved by the bell when they would sing remember when they performed the episode where kelly breaks up with zach because she starts dating jeff her manager at the max yeah. and slater and um jesse do a duet of something and yeah it's so slater is like giving it his all and like making all these like face it's so great what slater behind the drums when he's trying to sing friends forever it's a little over yeah. the top yeah and so, then you just have screecher on keyboard doing nothing now zach attack off the episode dick. is all a dream sequence it's like yep. the because yeah it's casey Kasem. it's like a it's almost like a vh1 behind the music of the zach attack and it's always your you know their best friends they become popular the lead singer zach everything goes to his head band breaks up yeah, he zach realizes to start a solo career he looks yeah. like vanilla ice and then he, that's what he was yeah but then he up. leaves his uh his manager to go back to the band and uh because slater gets in a motorcycle accident yeah this is a, yeah. It's a whole thing screech, and it, screech got stabbed yeah. <laughs> but yeah while i'm here too my number one was the wonders too okay so matt why don't you give us your number one and then i will give you my number one. Oh man that's tough but i mentioned it earlier um probably one of the movies i've seen the most in my life is the blues brothers and, yeah um just probably could verbatim say every line of that movie but then also the soundtrack's just amazing and just a lot of good songs that's another blues, crazy thing blues brothers 2000 right that's what we're talking about <laughs> exactly that's yeah. another movie i've i've never ever seen in my life oh my god i've never seen blues brothers really never seen it that's weird i that seems like something that would there's be. a lot of movies where like especially you have said i can't believe you've never seen yeah. it it would be a, a fascinating movie for somebody who's never seen it before because again it's very like <laughs> it has an, probably some similarities to buckaroo where also just hilarious i don't know it's like comfort food to me in a yeah. way it's like oh yeah just put that on and i just feel good yeah that's definitely like i said about um almost famous being like a sunday afternoon right. movie right, right, right. blues brothers is like i just want to throw on something in the background i've seen a million times yeah. and you know just enjoy it yeah my number one, Mr. Randy Watson. Oh, this is yeah. actual chocolate. That boy good. That boy good. Yeah. Coming to America. And then the second one coming out. And yeah, sexual chocolate is also oh, going to be so in excited. it. So that's a, a great one. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and quickly or not so quickly go through some honorable mentions. If you want to stop and talk about any of them, go right ahead. We have Marvin Berry and the Starlighters. Oh, how do, Jesus. I forgot From about Back that. to the Future. Yeah. Uh, Dewey Cox, Walk Hard. Yep. A great one. It's kind of based on... Now, my wife's going to murder me because I did not mention one that she's so mad at me about. Jesse and the Rippers from Full House. <laughs> and she's still not over the fact that John Stamos was in Beach Boys for a while. Yeah. Kokomo. She's like, no, that's not real. I was like, it is. He yeah. played with the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. I think my brain has just really been stuck in film, so I haven't really thought too much TV about TVs or anything. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Infant Sorrow from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which was Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. Uh, Munchausen by Proxy from the classic Yes Man Jim Carrey movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a Zoe, Zoe Dale. Zoe. What the? I don't Zoe know. Zoe There you go. That, that works. One I almost picked, but it just wouldn't have been funny and you guys wouldn't have got it maybe is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. Is a, a great one. one. Good band. Um, big fun from Heather's. I don't oh, remember man. their song though. It's like something. Teenage Suicide. Yeah, Teenage do Suicide. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it's it. just throughout <laughs> the entire the movie. <laughs> Teenage Suicide. Don't do it. Uh, uh, quick, quick. Heather's aside. Uh, I was teaching a college class uh, at Arizona State, and I would like put films on occasionally, and like have them write about it. And then I 
had so really that, only remembered yeah, yeah and, well yeah um but i only really remembered the heather's version that you see on tv and i had to i bought the dvd because it was cheap and i put it on and i'm like oh no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i've made a big mistake that that movie's so wild like yeah. I, I remember watching it when I was pretty young, I mean, I was born in 83, so I, when did that come out? Maybe 80? They were 88. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I watched it when I was young, just probably on TV and just thought whatever of it. And now I'm like, shit. Wow. That movie is deep. Is pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. So the Soggy Bottom Boys, Old Brother, yeah, Where Art Thou? That's a great one because the movie's not about the band, but the band is kind of responsible for everything that happens in the movie. Autobahn, Big Lebowski. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, man. Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. In High Fidelity, you have Sonic Death Monkey, which becomes Kathleen Turner Overdrive, and then finally becomes Barry Jive in the Uptown Five. Mm-hmm. It's a great one. The Beats from Doug. Yes. Which are basically just the Beatles. Well, before we move off Jack Black too far, I mean, okay. you could have done School of Rock. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, really my God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Faith West One, South Park. The best band name ever, I don't know about them as a band, is Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem yes. from Muppets. Yeah, that's another great one. And then uh, two that I'm a little surprised didn't get mentioned. One, because they're probably the most famous fictional band of all time, Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Figrin Deanne and the model nodes from Star Wars, the most Isley Cantina band. Oh, yeah. All right. So I, have, I think they were, I think they were also in Bucker. Is it the same prosthetic probably, faces? Are they yeah. red or, yeah, they are they red or black electrons? <laughs> now, something that bothers me about them is that George Lucas couldn't leave his movies alone. So when you go back and watch the Star Wars movies, you have something that's very obviously like a practical, like rubber yeah. mask. Yeah. And, and then you, you have, have Jabba? this like shiny, like illuminated CG thing in front of it. Horrible. It's so weird. So I have three. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Gem and the Holograms. Okay, good one. And then uh, I would feel wrong if I never mentioned Chris Pratt and all the names of his bands in Parks and Rec. My favorite one. Mouse Rat, which was main, but my favorite one out of all of them, Jet Black Pope. Mm. Always been my favorite. (laughs) Matt, you got some? One that came up, and then I'll get to the other ones. What's European Vacation? When is this? When oh. the so but somebody knows or what? It's Matt Damon comes out as oh the oh Euro trip Euro trip oh Euro trip. Oh, Euro trip. I'm know. sorry, Scotty yeah. doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was, Don't tell Scotty. Where a lot know. of yeah. people thought he actually sang that. And he had to come out and go. Listen, I was doing voiceovers for the band Lustra. <laughs> that was not me singing. <laughs> yeah. Scotty doesn't That's know. That's a great one. Do you ever hear about the story about that? No. So he was over in the Czech Republic filming The Born Identity, and he was friends with one of the guys working on the movies. I go, hey, probably a long shot that you won't have time to do he this. He was the same age as yeah. when he was doing Born Identity. Good Lord. Yeah. So he ended up saying, yeah, I can come on set. I only have like a day to do it. He's like, I just need you to come in. He literally came into that scene, left, That's went back to filming The Born Identity. Fantastic. That movie's Love underrated. It. What, Born Identity or Eurotrip? Eurotrip. Eurotrip mentioned Eastwood Mall in it, yeah. too. So yeah, because the writer was from Halland or something. Yep. So they mentioned like, oh, this whole country is the size of the Eastwood Mall. Mm-hmm. That's another great movie. What else you got there, Matt? You got any more? <sighs> Not too many. I'm going to mention the, have you ever seen the movie Repo Man? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Great flick. Yeah. Great flick. But the Circle Jerks are in that. Yeah. And then they also, I think the Circle Jerks are in a scene where they're, it's like the punk rock show. And then like later on, Emilio is like. Lizardo? Yes. <laughs> the Lord John the Wolf. John Wolven. And then they're like a lounge band, like later on yeah. in Repo Man. I I don't know. If you guys ever do Repo Man, bring me on. I oh, love Repo Man. Uh, you ever see the the fame like the famous tattoo uh, Repo Man on VHS? 
Somebody got a tattoo that literally just says Repo Man on VHS, but it's like a big internet meme thing. Like the words? They just got the words, <laughs> Repo Man on VHS. And we t- I have that a VHS good. tattoo. We talked about it when I got my tattoo because he was like, you sure you don't want Repo Man on VHS? VHS. But I have the uh, Criterion Repo Man, which I wish they made a Criterion VHS a Re- Repo Man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Auto. Yeah. And uh, these are just a bunch of punk kids hanging out behind like the convenient. The only other thing I have is CB4. Yeah, oh, yes. Block four. Yes. MC Gusto. Yes. All right. That's a great one. All right. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. And if you guys got any out there, let us know. I'm man. sure you do. There's oh, definitely tons. some we missed. Yeah, definitely. Definitely tons of them. All right, Aerosmith. Jim. Uh, looks like it's all clear. You want to get them back in the pool? Everybody back in the pool. You bitches. Somebody shit in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's happened a couple times. Baby Ruth. Yeah. When, when Tunzo was on, he said, I guess it wasn't shit, guys. We can get back in now. Cause this has happened before. Yeah. No, yeah. He was like, oh, don't worry. That wasn't shit, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> everybody back in now. All right. So our critical question this week was the plot of this movie too convoluted. Yep. When this, would this movie have done better to be released years later? Now we've seen. Oh. At, at the time, I don't think there were this many like convoluted plots, but now I think movie audiences have been conditioned to more convoluted plots. Yeah. Watch a Christopher Nolan movie. A sequel is teased at the end, despite 36 years passing. If given the opportunity, would you like to see more Buckaroo Bonds Eye? And what would have you done? I know this is like a lot of critical This is questions. a lot of questions. <laughs> what would you have done to have made the plot more digestible? Time is short. In order... Prevent John Warfin's escape. My comrades are at this very moment taking up a geostationary position over New Jersey. This situation is explosive. The hell is that? Explosive? What are you saying, man? Some kind of race war in New Jersey? No, Mr. President, no. This this man, as you call him, is not a human being at all, but is in fact a black lectroid named John Parker from the very same Planet 10, and his spaceship is at this moment anchored above Yoyodyne. God, what the hell could you do besides probably write it better and say, hey, you're our lead actor. Can you show some a little bit more emotion? Just a skoosh. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to make it a little bit easier, this is what we're on now. Yeah, I think there's probably yeah. a few ways. I, I think a lot of the exposition is like literally Goldblum's listening to a boombox and that's part of it. They put on bubble wrap over their eyes and then there's a Rastafarian well, like it, exposition dump that happens and you can only understand like half of unless it. Unless it's Star Wars, that's never really a good <laughs> sign that the movie opens, which was like a huge block of text right. that you got to read to even like get up to speed. That's not usually a good sign that you're going to be able to follow along. Or we we did Driven a few weeks ago. Check it out wow. on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. But we did Driven. <laughs> Name of your buddy? Yeah, Philip Zeptet. Zeptet. But in the Philip Zeptet scene, there's a whole uh, just exposition dump. Just two characters are like, well, the plot up to this point, they're just telling each other. So I would say, I mean, I mean one is like the Lectoids. They, they've got a... See, here's the thing I, I want to ask real quick, and we've seen this movie a lot of times. Is it Electroids or Lectroids? I had to look it up. I don't know. I don't know. I always I thought it was electro. I think it's no, lec- just electro. Like L-E? Like yeah. with a, an apostrophe? Like from cool? Lem- all one like L-E-C-T-R-O-I-D. Okay. I think I was leaving so, an R out. Yeah, I, thought it was lec- I thought it was lectoids. Maybe it's and lec- then it's, No, it's lectroids though, I think. <laughs> so there's red lectroids and black lectroids. And weirdly, they look and, exactly the same. And hey, wait, hey, just be careful. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Because the black lectroids are actually black and all the red lectroids are white. Why not call them white lectroids then? 
Well, to be fair, but to be fair, the the white guys are the bad guys. So I guess that's progress. Yeah, it's (laughs) Trumpites. Well, um, yeah, the sequel at the end, I I would like to see a sequel, but I'd like to see it tackled with a little bit more concise storytelling and maybe not like a father son out of nowhere. They have a helicopter that just poof. They just have one hanging around. Well, it, 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 man, you could go on and on about this, but it really is like you're dropped right in to a story and they literally don't care. No. They're like, this is a guy. Hang His on. Parents are dead. <laughs> We're driving through a mountain. Parents He's are dead. Wives brain- are dead. He's leaving brain surgery to go hop in a truck to drive through a mountain. And you're like, all right. Who's also a rock star. Right. But that's, who knows and even that's, that's the backstory. That's not even, that's no, not yeah. even the plot. Yeah. The actual plot is the worst. That's the difficult Honestly, thing where it's like, who, what is the motivation and what are they trying to solve? Like, it is none of that. Any sense. Here's no. an idea. That's the bigger part. I'm fine with like, hey, this guy is badass or whatever. He's a he's a rock star scientist. It's more of like, what are they trying to stop? Yeah. <laughs> Here, that's here's the, an idea. That's the bigger so, problem. Rather than the sequel, they if they were going to reboot Buckaroo Banzai, do a reboot, but have ev- all that exposition, all that text at the beginning. That's the prequel movie. They remake this one with a, a you know a streamlined plot, and then they make the sequel. It's a trilogy. This this movie I always found weird. I'm like, okay, you're coming across. You want me to this to acknowledge this as a sci-fi movie, but it seems like they try to do comedy on top of it, and they kind of fail somewhat at it. But because didn't they write this as a comedy movie and just threw sci-fi into it? Well, like I said, the originally it was supposed to be like a kung fu action yeah. movie. So, but I, I would say it's more comedy than anything. You cannot watch this. And not think this is supposed to be funny. Full speed ahead! And uh, may I remind you to uh, fasten your seatbelts and extinguish all the smoking material. We have a chance! You overthrust for shit! The rules! One more word out of your big booty! Like we said, there's throwaway lines. Like the one line that you started laughing at when they're in Buckaroo Banzai and the Hong Kong Cavaliers Air Force One bus. And that guy says number one or number two. It's just right. such a throwaway line, but it's one of those things where you're like, fucking laugh out loud funny. Buckaroo, president's on line one calling about is everything okay with the alien space cloud from Planet 10 or should he just go ahead and destroy Russia? Tell him yes on one and no on two. Which was yes, destroy Russia or uh, number two? Well, I think that's part of it too, is that this uh, Richter... The, directed the movie is was sort of like a script doctor guy who came in and did a lot of like punch up stuff and yeah. so you can kind of tell that it went in there and it's like okay there's some really good lines but you didn't really help the plot so much not at all so maybe that's part of it i don't know it's tough it's tough one because right. and another thing is do you want to fix it would you really want to fix it? Probably not. It's one I mean, of those things where are you supposed to just let it it's just a beautiful, hit you in the face and just go with it and not care? It's a beautiful disaster. Well, that's right. exactly what Someone it that I got my VHS off of was like, I'd rather see soap operas than this movie. <laughs> I'd rather see Guiding Light. Definitely. And it's something that I did not think about after the many, many years I've watched it up until two weeks ago when I tried to watch it again, didn't even bother to think about the plot. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's just what it's supposed to be. Just shut it off and Popcorn just movie. let it happen. Yeah. All right, Mr. David McCall, if you would, please. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. It's too bad you got thrown about 75 meters there. <laughs> 
the end of the movie. I like how you went metric with that. I did. Uh, For our Canadian fans. So this is our logic section. I'll go ahead and kick it off. And I will say my first logic issue with this movie, the whole Penny Pretty saga. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> so we're introduced to Penny Pretty at the Buckaroo oh. concert, at the Hong Kong Cavaliers concert. She yeah. tries to shoot herself during the concert. No backstory. No back. No explanation at all why she's depressed. She's got a gun. She's at a concert <laughs> crying. She should be crying later when she finds out she has a twin she didn't know about. But anyway. Yeah. So she tries to shoot herself. I don't remember. Somebody bump into her, I think. Yeah. Wait, and yeah. she almost dime bag Daryl's buckaroo. buckaroo. So she goes to jail, I assume, for possession of a firearm. Yeah. So Buckaroo breaks her out of jail, not like literally breaks her out of jail, but pays her bond, whatever he has mm-hmm. to do. Buckaroo bonds. He pays eyes, Dog so. the Bounty Hunter the bond. Yeah, Officer a cigarette. Officer a cigarette. Yeah. So I don't actually. Know. I think he just says, "Let her out. I'll take care of her." And yeah. the cops are like, "And they're just sure. like, oh, you're Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> and Perfect Tommy's like, "She's a killer." <laughs> yeah. So she doesn't really know why he cares, but he gets her out of jail. Now he's kind of has this like, there's this dramatic irony situation where we know sort of mm-hmm. what she doesn't is that he was married to her twin <laughs> such that's never explained and then, when, and then he, when it finally does get explained this scene he has no emotion to the fact that he was married to her twin no okay so they're in jail and then they're talking and then he says see i always felt that there was an, another part of me somewhere course if it was a snake it'd have bit me if it was a snake it would have bit me it, it just dawns on him he's like you are the twin to my dead wife who you don't know how she died my and wife you'll never and find out his wife who never mentions his name <laughs> don't, right, thank you don't even ask me now let me uh, transition to my next logic because it's just it's chronologically right there so he breaks her out of jail they go sh- directly to this press conference mm-hmm and she is just some girl who almost shot him mm-hmm. that he's known for five minutes. But for whatever reason, she's at the press table at, yeah. the, at the press conference. Wearing he's, perfect Tommy's jacket that he gave her. Yeah. But once again, perfect Tommy wearing something entirely different because this is supposed to be the next scene after. I, I like the. I feel that there was a deleted scene where Tommy was like, I can't wear this outfit without the jacket. The jacket's what really... Ties it together. I've got to stop home before the press. Fuck You know, she's a killer, right? There's a whole other bus of just perfect Tommy clothes. It just follows them around just so he can get changed at any other moment. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. They yes. need to do a perfect so, Tommy. But, but the other thing at this press conference is that there were like four people there. They're yeah. like press of the world and there's nobody there. Yeah. There's four people and that's it. See, that's that's one of the major issues with this movie is that like we're led to believe that Buckaroo's like the biggest thing. Yeah. He's, He's a physicist and he's, he's, he knows he's a the rock president. star. He knows the president, but it's like his concert's got maybe 80 people. His press conference has like four people. I think we, yeah. unlo- I think we unlocked the mystery here <laughs> is that he's delusional. Yes. This is all on his own. <laughs> this is a dream like St. Elsewhere. It's in a fucking <laughs> snow globe and I'm going to get pissed. Yeah. What if he's actually Emilio in the mental ward, but Ooh. he has projected that Emilio is someone different, oh but it's God. actually an alter. Yeah. And what if... It was Sam Beckett who leaped into his body. Quantum <laughs> Leap sequel. Boom. That's right. Yeah. There. We solved it. Ziggy. We just made a better movie, I think. We did. That's about the only thing that's missing. Did Ziggy? <laughs> Ziggy. <laughs> yeah. Got it's up. gone Dan Hedaya, who's yeah. like probably 
He looks like he, he could, could be out. Well, uh, yeah, Ziggy he says here we have a 54.4% chance of uh, getting through the matter wall without getting stuck. Lazardo just gets <laughs> stuck and he's like, why haven't I leaped yet? Ziggy also said, Buckaroo, don't ever fucking sing again. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> One of my logic points is when the alien looks like a round turd or asshole <laughs> crash lands that has John Parker in it and his alien black electroid buddy. He somehow emerges from this alien spacecraft out of a, a thresher maw, and then he notices two rednecks with guns. Go figure. And then when the damn door closed, he just poof out of nowhere dies. Yes, falls. And then falls. But he seems to die before he million dollar babies the, himself. The shot's like real tight, so you don't yeah. really, you can't really tell. But he, he just kind of tips over. He's dead. He just but why hits is he his head dead? on a rock and that's it. Yeah, but why? Like, why? The rednecks find that. It's Buckaroo Bonsai. Yeah, the, the comic comic. book. He just has a random Buckaroo Bonsai yeah, comic. That, that whole scene is weird because that's also the scene where Buckaroo kicks a elect- <laughs> electroid in the dick. Yeah, dick mm-hmm. kick. Easy, friend. <laughs> Buckaroo Bonsai. Oh, oh. Hey! It's Buckaroo and he he kind of he sells it he uh he has a dick and then funny and then after that one they go to his institute slash mansion that is the biggest <laughs> apparent home in the world where they receive an alien message from planet 10 from their leader who the hell she is and they have to put on the bubble wrap masks in order to this is not history it's her story it's that's, a woman go, that's leader. right mm-hmm. that's right they were they broke the glass ceiling eons ago but they put on these bubble wrap glasses bandit masks are like lone ranger masks however the eye holes are nowhere near apparently sloth from the goonies would look perfect in that but anybody else it wouldn't work it is a recorded message in which the leader of planet 10 who we think is the leader of planet 10 directly knows where buckaroo bonsai is in the room makes eye contact with him talks to him directly through a recorded message that is really like the least of my worries of this movie <laughs> is that the holograms looking at Bucker Bonds. I have all the things to pick a nit about. Yeah. That's probably like the smallest thing. I got a nitpick. <laughs> I got a nitpick because there's so many things you could get into, but that's an, just another meaningless Why one. Why is that hologram up. of a Rastafarian looking directly at Bucker Bonds? I, mm, I, I'm out of it now. Hey, how do you, you know what? It broke the fourth wall. Yeah. Just not. That's why your daughter shut it up. Yeah. <laughs> how did the blue blazer, the, the father-son combo uh, just have a random a chopper? Issue. What are the blue blazer irregulars? What the fuck are they? Mm. They're regulars and irregular. What What the hell? I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking it's a club like the Burger King Kids Club. It's a cult. Marshall Pinky Apple Carruthers White. is at the top. Yeah, Pinky Carruthers. He's at, the, he's at the end walk along in the trench in Los Angeles where Terminator 2 and every other movie took place. I think I always thought that Blue Blaze regulars were his band before. I, I don't know why. Like, <laughs> it's like just, why side, not? It's a, it's a side project. <laughs> it's a Blue Blaze. Hey, we're going down to the cellar to see Buckaroo's side project. It's an acoustic side project. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's more like a sex cult. I think it's probably like... Anybody watch the... Uh, An Exum? The, <laughs> um, Marshall Applewhite, the... Uh, Heaven's Gate. On Heaven's Gate uh, on HBO right. yet? No. Yeah, I want to watch it. it. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, cool. 
<laughs> sex cult. That's the end of the podcast. Yeah, sex yeah. cult. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, if if I had to go through some logic issues, yeah. I'd probably say you have Emilio Lazardo in 1938 is mm-hmm. driving this little cart and gets stuck in the eighth dimension. Just yeah. his head. Just his head. Mm-hmm. And I had to when I was looking through the Wikipedia, it said like his body gets, so he gets like taken over by this Lectoid. Yeah. But then he does not age. <laughs> not yeah. at all. At all. Well, see you guys, when we watched this together, yeah, I was, on, I was like, for some reason I kept thinking this took place in like the fifties. Cause that would make more sense. Yeah. You could almost like get away with like, okay, this 15 years later, he doesn't really look much worse, but no, it's like 50 years, 50 later. years pass yeah. and he looks the same. Yeah. But I mean, that's, he, that's a problem, I guess. They didn't attempt to hold him up, but Buckaroo Bonsai, is it his adopted dad? Dr. Hakita or whatever? Hakito. They just said, hey, we'll spray paint his hair yeah, silver spray- and look, give him 40 they packs like of they cigarettes. They stuck a bunch of Elmer's glue to his face and let it dry. Like, yeah. That's how they made like, the Yeah, wrinkles. well, today we watched the the Blu-ray and it, you definitely oh. see some, some <laughs> the, from the VHS to the... She never watches some Blu-ray. Oof. Never. I do. Yeah. Great, great job by Shout Factory, but there's certain things you just don't need to see clear, like porn. What? <laughs> true you don't need to see high def porn anybody else have any other logic to mention man so maybe it's just going back to buckaroo and just him not having any affectation at all or caring about anything so they kill rawhide sings pack a mean wallop what are y'all looking at you're on the clock settle up huh Mm-hmm. And he's just like, yeah. all right, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. He's not pissed. It's like maybe he's just been through so much loss in his life, but it's like that's like his home. But that's like the keyboard player, piano yeah, player. Yeah, it's yeah, dude. He's he's he seems to be the band. Also, he, the fact he, that he's like the head coordinator. Yeah. Also, right. the fact that the the Hong Kong Cavaliers are not just band members, but also scientists who have a function. They work in a bonsai institute. Yeah. who right. all have, So it's like a double whammy. And maybe we should try. I don't know what the, the status, living or dead, of the director or writer are. Or we should go find them right now. Maybe we should call uh, Peter Weller and uh, find out, was this a, an acting choice? Or did somebody <laughs> direct him to be like, nope. Too much. Yeah. You Do have less. to pretend like you're on the spectrum the whole time and not have any emotion. We're going to find out he's like, jo- he had a broken jaw and he yeah, couldn't like open his mouth. So he had to just yeah. like Wrong. talk very monotone. Couldn't move around a lot. Yeah. You, okay. One more logic thing. Since you're talking about the, the bonsai house Institute, mm-hmm. they go on like a 10 minute long chase through the halls of the bonsai institute <laughs> which i never even depths. it's another thing i never even realized Caves. it's like buckaroo bonsai is like in the bathroom it looks like a pretty decent size yeah, house. Very but then 80s. it's like clearly they're in a lab in a different building and then clearly they're in a basement and then there's like a records room then there's catacombs there's catacombs <laughs> there's like sliding down through like an exhaust port into then a different thing he slides thing. down head first and then comes out feet first what is yeah. going oh, yeah. Yeah. that's that's interesting that's so good don't ever just don't think about it I guess maybe that's the big key of this movie is maybe we should have watched this like shit face like that's usually what drunk. happens yeah is that yeah. you get so many beers in you're like that's fine yeah, put whatever. it on in the background yeah All right, so what is the legacy of this movie? I have uh, two things. So there's a TV series that's been in works for years. Mm -hmm. At one point, Kevin Smith was attached to actually make the sequel to this movie. Buckaroo Banzai Against the World Crime League. Yeah, but as a TV series. Maybe a TV series would work better for this because we talk about... 
uh, Jupiter Ascending. Oh, we paid to watch that. Like the worst movie of all time. Oh. I but I love it so much. But that movie, as you know, a concept. Had they spread that out over ten or twenty hours, that story is actually kind of cool. Like, yeah. uh, you know, they're they're fighting over a deed to the earth and who owns the earth and it's Eddie like Redman. A, it's like a family quarrel. <laughs> so if they if they spread Buck Ruban's eye out over twenty hours, thirty mm-hmm. hours, a few seasons, it might you know what I mean? They might be able to put some more. I depth can see too. the world when it, if they would do Buck Ruban's eye against the World Crime League, for some reason in my head. I can imagine the world crime lead looking like Dick Tracy characters. Yeah, that's what like yeah. flat top and yeah. oil face. I don't know. Oil face. I don't know who the fuck they are. <laughs> they had some like weird fucking names and shit. I don't COVID know. Breath. <laughs> um, Robert De Niro. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, Cap- oh, Al Capone. Al Pacino. Oh, was it Al Capone? Was it? Yeah. Jimmy Hoffa was in it. We got to cover Dick Tracy. That's another yeah. weird one. So yeah, a TV series I think might actually work. Now there was, I don't know if I mentioned it already, but there was a video game for a Commodore, like Apple II. And the other thing is the film's ending scene, which Bonsai and the ever-growing group of his friends and associates, they kind of all walk on screen, yeah. Jim said. With the theme song. With the theme song. They all kind of come together in that, closing credits. Did Jeff Goldblum create the theme song within the movie? Probably. I think so. So hmm. this closing credit role was actually copied in... Wes Anderson's The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou and Jeff Goldblum's in that movie as well. So I wonder how much of it was like Goldblum was like, hey, I did this movie back in the 80s. I have a thought. Called uh, (laughs) Buck Rubon, Adventures of Buck Rubon's Life finds a way. Yeah, it was kind of just a cool nod that they did that in Life Aquatic. Mm -hmm. So that's a great legacy. (laughs) (laughs) It's one hell of a legacy. Yeah, that's definitely an iconic ending, I think. If you've ever watched them, it's like the song and then that thing where they're walking through the but trench then, or whatever. But then they'll show the close up on the feet and sometimes they're doing like jazzy feats. Yeah. And then they move yeah. around. It's like whatever. No, something I wish we had done. With Perfect. Watch- Tommy changes randomly again. I wish we had watched the trailer for this before we recorded. Yeah. Because there's enough stuff going on in this movie. I bet they could have made a really cool, compelling trailer that would make you want to see it. You yeah. know, a lot of the action stuff and the electroid stuff. But like, as far as the movie, it's like I said, they, they didn't know how to describe this movie. They had no idea. Imagine being an editor and you go, we need you to cut a trailer for this movie. Where the fuck would you start? Yeah, I think a trailer would be easy. Just like boom, 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 boom. Just yeah. the coolest stuff in the movie. Show him shredding on a guitar yeah. and then He's talking to the Buckaroo president. Bonsai. He's a rock star and a brain guy. I feel like that's probably how it started is <laughs> they just like, let's just make a trailer. <laughs> like, yeah. like, here's a bunch of ideas. Let's make a trailer. Oh shit. We got to make this an hour and a half log. Uh Oh, as I said, I would have liked to have seen the trailer before we, we started recording just to kind of have an idea of how it was presented because they literally took headbands to a Star Trek convention. That's like, Hey, you got to see this movie here's a headband like, who the fuck is team bonsai free headband you got to see this movie so yeah. the movie bombed obviously it didn't even make half of his its budget back but at the end of the day this is a pretty positively reviewed film there mm-hmm. are like some legit film critics who it's a fun movie yeah who really enjoy this movie and you know from a critical perspective i i like the movie i yeah, like, so like do I. in a toddler sort of way like there's a lot of stuff going on that i can look at you know a lot of things but and like matt said especially after what is all transpired today it's a great movie just turn on just turn everything off right. and just go with it right it's excellent for and that. you just got to be happy that 
something like this got made, you know? So it's kind of like, it's tough to poke holes in it. After I watched it a couple weeks ago and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And then I kind of sat back and thought like, does it matter? Just be happy that they did something so crazy on such a small budget. You can see it's like somebody making something you could see the seams like it's falling apart that's why i like mentioned the special effects aren't great like there's a bunch of problems in it and you're like eh. that's why i mentioned it's <laughs> just, just uh, cool yeah. that they did jupiter it, you know? ascending because i would rather somebody take a big swing and miss right mm-hmm. in making something completely At new and tried. rather than just yeah. rebooting comic books and, and video f- games and you feel and- like there's less and less of this now yeah and that's the bigger yeah. problem is that there's not money for this and then any money that gets doled out it's like who's the audience and what is this going yeah. to be and mm-hmm. what's the ipo there's of it? too like, much of a studio process yeah, to, to vet like, everything the test screenings test audiences nobody gets the opportunity unless they put up the money themselves to just be like no original ideas. yeah we're yeah. just gonna make this crazy original thing because the first thing the studio is gonna say why does anybody care about Buckaroo Banzai? Why does anybody care about this character? You know, they've got to have idea going in of who this character is. And that's why everything's Marvel, DC, video games. That's it. Everything's based on a franchise. I'll take these every day of the week. Exactly. I totally agree. All right. Stick around for some plugs. Once again, Pool Sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us. And now back to Kevin. You know what it is? It's the landing strip. Yeah. So, Matt, we want to thank you for joining yes, us. Chief. Sure. Before you give any uh, any plugs, was there anything else you wanted to mention about this movie? The one thing I wanted to mention was Perfect Tommy. Yes. Jim's love. The fashion in this movie is amazing. Oh, At one point, he's, he's wearing the matching blazer and shirt combo. Plaid. And I feel like Cam Newton is biting yes. that dude style. Like <sighs> Cam Newton or some SoundCloud rapper, somebody should just yep. go back and watch this and just like take notes and yeah. be like, this is he's perfect <laughs> this is Cam. What you should be somebody doing. uh get Russell Westbrook a copy of this. <laughs> just watch this. Or yeah. somebody did two years ago and they're like, oh wow. Just Shit. do a perfect Tommy super cut. Oh. I smoke too much weed and now I dress like perfect Tommy. <laughs> That's right. It's a good thing. Not mad at it. Yeah. So uh, Matt, do you want any of our audience to find you on uh, social media or anything? You can uh, find my OnlyFans. Cool. Um, Your Sequest fan blog. Too. Uh, <laughs> I do. I do perfect Tommy cosplay on my OnlyFans. <laughs> um, no, don't don't bother finding me. Okay, so eventually, uh, if our audience enjoyed you and your musings and your celebrity stories, sure. you can find me on Facebook. Whatever. Um, yeah. You eventually will return to stand up comedy. Yes, um, I don't have anything to plug right now. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I mean, th- there's some film projects that I want to do. Hopefully, it happens. I don't know. I'll come back on the podcast when right. the world returns to a new normal. Uh huh. Yeah, Absolutely. When we return from the eighth dimension. That's yeah. right. That's probably how COVID got here in the first place. Was the uh, somebody broke the sound barrier and it and, was uh, on the bottom of their Ford truck. Their, their overthruster <laughs> brought back a COVID molecule. Peek around something like that. Somebody had sex with their dead sisters. 
twin. Twin whatever. <laughs> okay. Whose name was Anne Bonsai. He never ever bring up her name once. Anne. That's my your sister was called Anne. I wow. you didn't mention Jamie Lee Curtis was the mom. No, that's a yeah, yeah that's a deleted deleted oh, well. scene. There's too many things that you Yeah, there's get there's so many. I, I want a whole movie about Anne Bonsai. <laughs> See, that's why I said a prequel. How did we how did we get here? All right. So uh everyone, we want to thank you again for joining us. We apologize for the hiatus for a couple weeks, but Yeah, we had to enjoy the holidays with the fam and brand new year, everybody. We got two more episodes after this remaining in season number three. And then when we get to the deep end, we will announce our slate for season number four. All right. Sounds good. Matt, thank you for joining us. Thanks. I'm back for Repo Man. Actually. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do Repo yes. Man. We should do that. I totally agree. Tomorrow? With the flying car. <laughs> tonight? It's like a Caprice. Is it a Caprice? It's tonight. We're watching it's it. It's a Malibu. It doesn't, but we're watching it tonight. <laughs> All right. Jim, you have it? Uh, no. You better get it. I'll get it, damn All it. Right. I have right, it on beta. Right. Until next week. Silencia. Silencia.